Hi everyone, welcome back to another Hacks and Chats with Mike McDonald. I have a very special guest. We have Emily Chadburn joining me today. Emily, thanks for being a guest Hi. on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So Emily is a coach, author and keynote speaker that specialises in helping people create the business of their dreams by being unashamedly human. So Emily... Hopefully, we're going to dive into the five steps of manifesting your successful business today. I can't wait. So before we, we get into the, those five steps, share with us how you got into the, the idea of manifesting. Um, well, if I'm going to be really honest, I used to be a bit of an idiot. Um, like I, so when I was 33 years old, which is four years ago now, I was waiting tables for a living for 20 bucks an hour. And... I kind of felt like the universe had done me over. I felt like my results were other people's fault. I didn't really have any comprehension that the thoughts that I was having, the action that I was taking, the conversations I was um, involving myself in were creating my reality. I genuinely didn't know that. And so my victimhood, my reluctance to take responsibility, my um, short fuse, all of these things were obviously manifesting themselves in the reality that I had. So my relationship with money, the relationship I had with men, the way I woke up in the morning, the feeling I had about myself and my own self-worth, I just didn't realize. I did, no one had told me. No one taught me how to be a human being. Um, you know, you don't learn that shit in school. <laughs> and... So I, you know, created a lifestyle for myself that was unhealthy, both mentally, physically and spiritually. Um, and it really wasn't until I hit my rock bottom and most entrepreneurs I find have hit a rock bottom or a version of their rock bottom where they have realized that the existence that they are um, existing in is no longer how they want to be. And so I just started learning some stuff. Like I literally went out there and I looked at other people who seemed to be doing well other people who seemed to be experiencing a life that I felt was completely out of my out of my sort of realm of possibility, if you like, and I think I started learning it on a very logical level. I wanted to know the exact how to. I wanted to know the next step. I wanted someone to, you know, the binary education system that we've all been sort of dragged through here in the West tells you that once you complete a certain stage, you achieve a certain um credit then you will know certain stuff that will hold a foundation for you to learn the next bit and the next bit and the next bit and that's what I was looking for I was looking for the the blueprint and um because the universe is hilarious um what I found was a mass swirling mess of my own head that really needed to be sorted out before I could even start thinking about any kind of logical um, business strategy. Um, and so I kind of had, without sounding like a wanker, I kind of had my own sort of spiritual awakening. I um, had a, a couple of years in business where I was scraping by. I was learning all this stuff about um, neuro-linguistic programming. I was learning a lot about metadynamics, which is a subsidiary about that. I was studying positive psychology. I was helping myself and helping other people, but it was very limited. I was, I very, I felt like I sort of hit um, the ceiling, if you like, and I, I couldn't quite break through the next barrier of wealth. I couldn't quite break through the marketing. I hadn't quite nailed sales. Um, and I couldn't work out what the logical step was. What did I need to learn next? And the universe just threw some lessons in my path. Um, they were very painful as these lessons tend to be. Um, and sort of through my own swimming through my own shit, basically, I began to learn a little bit more about spirituality and again without sounding like a wanker um genuinely started sort of saying well started questioning the paradigm under which I was living when I talk about paradigm I'm talking about the um 
beliefs and the memories and the experiences that we have that create the reality for ourselves and that's when I started learning about manifestation I started getting really interesting and interested in what other people were talking about you know this idea of working in flow this idea of you know following your soul as opposed to trying really it felt like I was shoveling shit uphill you know so I was like well there's got to be a, um, a gentler way to do this and that's when I started learning about manifestation what I learned and what I saw in manifestation was very much you know the film the secret mm. you know very much that kind of like if you think happy thoughts good things will happen to you yeah. um and that had been my experience of manifestation which was why I was so repulsed by it because I knew that not to be true um <laughs> and so you know really allowing myself to disregard the media fluff around manifestation and really dig deep into what it actually means on a scientific level um, and how we need to rock up as the best version of ourselves, even in our scrappy, messy, ugly bits, then we can start creating these amazing realities for ourselves that aren't devoid of problem. I'm a huge believer that life has problem built into it. The difference between people who tend to create a world for themselves where they are content with their reality or happy as we tend to, to label it are the people who don't try and solve the problem of life, but they manage the paradox of life, the polarity of life, the contrast of life better than others. And that's what I teach. What has been your own, your own experience? Because a lot of people do have their own, awakenings or their own realizations or their own moment I guess that like changes their own worldview a little bit and then they can move forward so what was yeah. yours? So I'm a huge believer in um, in the universal law of um, contraction and expansion like our lungs are always contracting and then expanding contracting and then expanding I believe the universe is always doing the same thing and so I think for a lot of people there needs to be a stripping of the ego there needs to be a, a stripping down of what someone thought that they knew so that they can learn something different in its place. And for me, I mean, I had two kind of pivotal moments in my career. The first was when I was still waiting tables. Um, and that was when it all sort of kicked off, really. I had um, a boyfriend who I'd come over to Australia with um, from London, and he concluded our relationship. And I dealt with it like such a fool. Um, I was totally in blame there was a very humiliating um incident at a friend's engagement party where I got batshit crazy drunk and I ended up the next morning sitting on my bathroom floor feeling ridiculous and stupid and silly and full of shame um and I was so sick I was actually sick in my own hair um and I think when that, something like that happens you look at yourself in the mirror don't you and you think god I don't like who I am yeah. And it was, it, was, it was such a heartbreaking moment to look at yourself in the mirror and see yourself with your own vomit dripping out of your own hair and you think to yourself, I don't like you. And it was in that moment that this sort of dawning realisation occurred to me that every crappy relationship I'd ever had, every awful boss I'd ever had, every job that I'd hated, my shit relationship with money, all of those experiences had one common denominator. And that common denominator was me. It wasn't anyone else. It was me. And that was a massive turning point to me, for me because up until that point, as simple as it sounds now with hindsight, but up until that point, I hadn't realized that I was the common thread. And working that out meant that I had the power then to change that because I had spent 33 years trying to change other people or trying to blame other people or trying to make other people responsible for me and for my actions. And so it was a very empowering moment to realize that I was the person that needed to change, but also quite confronting because like I said, no one teaches you how to human at school. Like I did fucking geography at school and I still don't know where Spain is, right? So no one teaches you how to be a human being or how to process emotion or how to co-create with the universe. And so that was my first sort of pivotal moment was like, well, okay, I know it, I know now it's me that needs to change, but I see this huge gap because I don't know how to do that. So I set out educating myself in that gap. The second 
part I think which is more of a sort of so that was my sort of intellectual um turning point but my sort of spiritual turning point was 2017 so at the beginning of 2017 I was scraping by as a coach I had I had just about sort of managed to um create enough income for myself so that I was no longer um waiting tables anymore um and then and I was kind of feeling like I was maybe nailing it definitely nailing it more than I ever had been but I wasn't quite there I hadn't quite worked it out and I, I did know that but I didn't know where the next layer was and um I remember at the beginning of 2017 asking the universe to teach me whatever it was that I needed to learn to upscale myself to the next level of my business. Always be careful what you ask of from the universe because that funny little <laughs> bitch will respond. Um, and so 2017 was a huge lesson for me in many ways. Um, there's a very long story which I won't um, go into detail with now because we've all got lives, right? We all have limited time, but um, the short version of events. Um, was that my mum died and that was a, a huge mortality slap for me this this uh, this realization that life is fragile and it's precious and it's fleeting it was a huge lesson and it changes your soul I think a little bit when a parent dies um, on the back of that about two months later my partner left me very suddenly completely out of the blue um and turns out for one of my best friends so i suffered these in in the space of three months three huge losses of love and that's how yeah. i perceived it at the time and um because my business was never really stable or, or particularly structured or solid i it was just still scraping by obviously with everything that was happening with my mum, like all of a sudden I found myself on top of this completely broke again. And um, I remember being at home and I'd injured my ankle running on sand. Running is my moving meditation. It clears my head. I absolutely adore it. I don't do it for my fitness. I do it for my mental health. And so also having that taken away from me, it felt like, again, it's this idea that the universe will strip you down. Nothing gets built from anywhere but ground zero. And um, I didn't know this at the time. Um, and so I was, I was standing in my flat and I just remember feeling like I can't be on my own. I just, I didn't know what to do with myself. The grief, the pain, the anger, the betrayal, the physical pain that was now manifesting itself in my foot. I couldn't even wait there. And I, I called a very dear friend of mine called Kim and Kim lives or lives four blocks around the corner from me and I called her and I said I, I need to be with somebody I need someone to hold me right now and she said um I'm making a risotto and I was like that's a strange thing to say to me right now but she was like I can't leave the stone <laughs> so she was like come round, come round here I can't come to you but you come to me and of course I couldn't wait there on my foot I couldn't even literally I couldn't press the accelerator on the car pedal to even drive myself so I had to call an uber now it's kind of embarrassing to get in an uber and say hello can you drive me four blocks around the corner please <laughs> but I didn't really have a huge amount of a, a, a huge option other than that so I get into this uber oh. and you know when like I don't know if they send people to uber college or something where like they just learn very basic small talk chat so like insert <laughs> Standard Uberman chat here. Offers me a mint, offers me a bottle of water, asks me how my day goes. I respond, I'm playing the game. How long have you been working? When's your shift going to end? The whole time, like just trying desperately to hold all of my shit together. And randomly, it was such a bizarre question for him suddenly to come out with. This Uberman turns around to me and he said to me, Are you happy with your life? Now, obviously, my logic brain is going, your mum's just died, your partner's just left you for your best friend and you've got a bust foot. Oh, by the way, you're also completely, totally and utterly broke. You've just had to borrow money off your dad as a 35, 36 as I was at the time, 36 year old woman. So no, it would be your standard response, right? But as I turned around to say to him, no, I opened my mouth and the word yes came out and it was congruent. I wasn't paying lip service. I wasn't trying to make better the the atmosphere in the cab i genuinely meant i'm happy 
I'm happy with my life. And I couldn't really understand it. And I kind of sat with it. It was such a weird sensation. Anyway, I get to my friend's house, to Kim's house, and we're having a chat and I'm just falling apart, the seams. It's not flying everywhere. I'm not an attractive crier in any way, shape or form. So it was a pretty ugly situation all around. Um, <laughs> and my friend Kim, I said, to, I turned around to her and I was like, Kim, I feel like the universe is just dumping on top of me and I don't, I don't know what to do with it. And she said something that stuck with me. She said, babe, the universe isn't dumping on you. The universe is like your personal trainer, like your PT at the gym. And right now, this is a really grueling session and it hurts to do another rep. But you are going to do that other rep. And tomorrow, whenever tomorrow comes, you are going to wake up and you are going to look in the mirror and you are going to realize that you have got more stamina, that you are fitter and that you are more resilient as a result of this workout. So just hold faith with that. And it was the best thing that anyone could have ever said to me. And it has come back to me. I cannot tell you how many times that, has, that conversation has come back to me, especially in business. But I still couldn't quite work out this idea of being happy and all of this awful stuff happening to me at the same time. And I sat with it for about three or four days and I meditated on it and I meditated on it and I pondered it and I thought about it. And then all of a sudden it just came to me that life is a paradox. There is, and when I talk about a paradox, I mean it is in its very nature the opposite of itself. So how can I know what day looks like if I've never seen night? How do you know what hot feels like if you've never felt cold? How do we know what love is if we've never experienced loss? And so this idea that the universe is happening in this full polarity all of the time, everything that is happening has a polar opposite, the positive and the negative. And so if I can get through this bit of really shit stuff happening, I know that I can handle it. And therefore, the opposite of it has got to be coming my way. And one of the things that mum dying taught me was that nothing is permanent. You're not permanent. I'm not permanent. The laptop I'm speaking into now, not permanent. The last season of Love Island, thank fuck, is not permanent, right? <laughs> and, so, and so if I can hold on through these awful feelings, and they are awful feelings, there's no denying it. Manifestation isn't going to stop death. It's not going to stop redundancy. It's not going to stop heartbreak or betrayal or war. These things are part of the fabric of life. But if we can hold on in those times, if we can promise ourselves that in the wake of that, we will continue to practice the free will that we do have, right? We, are, we can't affect other people. We can't affect the weird stuff that the universe is doing. But if we can hold on to our own free will and exercise that, i.e. we continue to wake up, we continue to keep going, we continue to understand that we are only ever going to change something if we take action to it, then we can absolutely have the opposite of what we are currently experiencing. And so that's what I did. I, I literally went on a Facebook Live the next day and started talking about this idea of life being a paradox. And if you are in pain right now, understand that it is not permanent, that it is transient, that it will morph and it will grow and it will be something different tomorrow. And that real healing can happen for you if you are willing to learn and to grow and to evolve and to come back more resilient. And that is the difference, I think, between the people that heal and the people that don't, is the people that don't heal are the people who will stay in the emotion and they'll stay in the victimhood, they'll stay in the blame. And the people who do heal are the people who turn around and go, I'm so glad that that happened to me. And I would go through every single second of that pain again, because what I have created in the wake of that is far better than anything I could have ever dreamed of. And that's when that is a life lesson that I have applied in business. And I've taken myself from quite literally this time last year, borrowing money off my dad to six, 12 months later, running and operating a successful global six figure business where I teach other people this mindset. One of the things that um, did stand out was that it's about the the pain, I guess, is something that trains you, if you will, for you know improvement or success or for the 
the next round, so to speak. And I like when you said that you do actually get better like afterwards. Like people, mm. people try to avoid it or deny that it's happening or try to do whatever they can to lessen the blow, so to speak, without realizing that you know, if anything, it becomes more of a shock to your system if if you try and do those things as well, and it makes it can actually make it harder to to bounce back. And then there are people that just go through it, just just let it happen, experience it, get to the other side, and then figure out how to make changes next time. I, th- I think people try to do too much before it happens, mm-hmm. without realizing that the actual change doesn't happen until after you've experienced it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where the traditional or or, or the, the bullshit that we are fed around manifestation is really dangerous. Um, elements of positive psychology. I'm a huge believer in positive psychology. I'm a huge believer and practice positive psychology and teach it. But I also think it's quite, quite a dangerous element to it because, you know, we can't. So there's this brilliant practitioner. His name's Hugh McKay. And um, I was reading one of his essays recently, and in it, he was talking about this idea of happiness, this pursuit of happiness, which is sort of plaguing Western society, this idea that happiness is your birthright, or that happiness is the ideal that you should constantly be striving for, and that it is possible because social media now these days convinces us that it is, right? Because we only ever see the beautiful filtered version of other people's lives. And so, you know, we are encouraged to believe that happiness is something that we can constantly experience. But in the pursuit of that happiness, what we've done is demonize the harder feelings of being a human being, frustration, anger, disappointment, failure, right? And so because we are demonizing those feelings, we're not talking about them. We're not transcending through them. We're not allowing them to come, knowing that nothing is permanent, knowing it can't hurt you, letting it go on the other side, learning from it, coming back stronger, fitter, more resilient with a, with a bigger, better lesson. And so what tends to happen is no one is happy. So what he suggests is we put down this idea of happiness and instead we ask ourselves the question, is this experience making me more whole? And if the experience is contributing to your wholeness, then you're on the right path. And I think that for me was just a really beautiful, refreshing way of of reframing what this sort of pursuit, this never ending pursuit of happiness is. Once I have that car, I'll be happy. Once I'm in that relationship, I'll be happy. Once I have external, once I have external, once I have external, actually being happy is about actually, am I whole? And part of being whole, because everything is a paradox and life happens in polarity, is also acknowledging that part of being human, it's why I call it being unashamedly human, part of being human is hard. Sometimes it's hard to be a human being like I feel anger and sadness and resentment and I have business failure I have had more business failure than I've had success am I overall happy with my life absolutely because I acknowledge those hard feelings I understand that they are part of the deal and I now have tools and techniques which allow me to go okay that happened How are we going to deal with it? What's my lesson here? What can I choose to make this mean? What is the universe trying to do for me here? What is the universe opening up for me here that maybe I hadn't seen before? So maybe there is an opportunity here which is hidden, which I can't see right now, but in hindsight, in five years, 10 years time even maybe, I'll be able to look back and be like, oh my God, if I had gone the other route with that, if that had worked out where I wanted it to, I would never get to where I am right now and where I am right now is fucking awesome and so if I can really quickly I just want to sort of run through the five stages of manifestation I call them the the five stages and not the five steps because I think um without sounding like a complete nutter um I don't really believe in the construct the human construct of time Obviously, time passes. I'm very aware that I have got mm-hmm. wrinkles now that I did not have then. So I'm very <laughs> aware of time passing, believe me. But I don't believe, you know, I think for us to stand here and say, oh, nature intended that we had 365 days in a year, except that every four years, we've got a little day left over. So we're just going to tack it on. Tell women that that's the day that they can ask men to marry them and make it like a big deal. Yay! Like, (laughs) sorry, that doesn't sit well with me. You know, you do. I watched a lot of David Attenborough because it's my like 
I just love everything about that man. Um, and, you know, never once do you see, you know, a pride of lions sitting, you know, looking at their watches going, oh, those cubs get better go down for a nap. You know, like time is such a human construct. And so I don't talk about the steps of, of manifestation because I think it gives the impression that you do one, then you do the next one, then you do the next one. That just that linear way of thinking is is a very fixed mindset. It's a very rigid way of thinking, and I think we need to be a little bit more fluid about the way that we think as human beings, so that we can create more opportunity for ourselves and bounce back from some of the tougher bits of being human a little bit quicker. Um, so it's it's more like um, the sort of five bits of manifestation they're always happening all the same time you know they, they don't necessarily go in that linear order but obviously I have to talk about them in a linear order because that's the yeah. way that we communicate with each other and that's the way our brains work so the first stage if you like I suppose would be to set a really clear intention and I think this is one of the things that I learned when I was waiting tables which is that you know I did not I could not tell you what I wanted in life I could tell you what I didn't want very easily. I was very articulate, uh, very articulate, sorry. <laughs> How funny, irony. Uh, very articulate in talking about the things that were wrong in my life. So I could tell you that I didn't want to be a smoker. I could tell you I didn't want to be a heavy drinker. I could tell you I didn't want to be a waitress. I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to be single. I could tell you all of the things that I didn't want, but I had no clear vision about what it was that I did want. None at all. Couldn't have told you. And I think a lot of the time when it comes to setting an intention, we think about the traditional goal setting. And I think we need to move away from that a little bit because I think it's um, it's so definitive and the universe isn't definitive. You know, I think, again, the paradigm that we've been bought, born into here in the West, the construct of society in which we live in is so binary. You know, you you get born, you get put into an education system where immediately, immediately, you are compared to the person next to you. One is right, one is wrong, one is good, one is bad, one is better, one is worse. So fucking hell, no wonder we're all struggling. And then you go through this binary system where you are either right or wrong. You get spit out the other side, you find the job, potentially maybe you might go on a gap year somewhere, lovely, and then you come back, you buy a house, you find a partner, you marry that partner, you have a couple of kids, you continue to work, you retire, and then you die. And that is the, the way, if you like, that we have been encouraged to live. And so I think what happens with, you know, I often, often speak to women, especially who are trying to find their purpose. What's my purpose? What's the one thing that is going to make me happy? And so they can't, and the reality is there are many things. The world is a plethora of possibility and you don't have to stick to one thing and I think that is shifting a little bit with the millennial generation but certainly for um, my generation so I'm 37 now you know it was a real like a really different way of thinking to think well my intention can just be the next year of my life it doesn't have to be you know how am I going to be at 65 and again it's about creating um, a little bit of flexibility in life, but getting really clear and languaging what you do want or what you don't want, because what you focus on grows. So if you're thinking about debt, you will create more debt. If you're thinking about your bitchy colleague at work, that will just consume your world and therefore that bitchiness will get greater and greater and greater. And so it's about talking, using language and your linguistic programming, talking about what it is that you really want, not what you don't want, so it's not, I, I don't want to be fat, it's I want to be vital and fit in my body, you know? It's those small sort of tweaks can make a massive difference in what your brain searches for and gathers as evidence and therefore creates a reality for itself. So that's kind of like the first stage, if you like. And then the second is alignment. And again, traditional manifestation or, or current media manifestation talks about alignment like you've got to be in a high vibe right you've got to think happy thoughts you've got to like you know always be like yay match your vibrational energy with the vibrational energy that you want to be feeling so mm -hmm. the science part of this is that we're all tiny little balls of energy we're all vibrating we know this to be true because science so if we put my finger underneath a really strong microscope, you'll be able to see the cells of my being vibrating. 
Now, we also know, because science, that like energy attracts like energy. So a heavy, dense um, um, energy will be at a very low vibrational frequency. A lighter energy will be at a high vibrational frequency. And so our emotion is a vibration, right? So, and you can feel this in your own body now, right? If you, if I asked you to sit down, close your eyes and think about the shittest day of your life and really think about it, like take yourself back to that moment, like see it, feel it, hear it, smell it, taste it, absorb yourself, all five senses, like really revisit that time. You'll feel it in your physical body. You'll feel heavy. You'll feel sluggish. Your shoulders will droop. The you know, corners of your mouth will turn down. You maybe even might even shed a tear, right? You will feel that emotion. Then if I ask you to go to the best day of your life, the day you got married or the day you had kids or the day that the sun was shining, you woke up and your hair was on point, you've got money in your bank account, you're going to spend the whole day with the people that you know, love and trust. All of a sudden, you can feel that in your body. It feels like a lighter energy. And so when we talk about alignment, what we're talking about is what is your intention, i.e., I want to be abundant and financially free. Cool? So we, we need to match that vibrational frequency as much as possible so that we can um, attract like circumstances, experiences, people and opportunities to have that manifest in our actual reality. And so, again, what I often find is that people set their intention in a binary way. So they talk about their intention with like money. They talk about, uh, you know, I have the intention to have this much money in my bank account by this date. Now, if you've ever read any of Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, there is some merit to that. But what I have found in my observation, and also my own personal experience, is that actually money doesn't create a vibrational frequency for me. Feeling does. So if you say to me, you can be financially free. I want you to think about yourself being financially abundant. I want you to see that, hear that, feel that, like experience that. How does that make you feel? Now I'm in the vibrational alignment of my true desire. Not, you've got to make X amount of money by X date because otherwise you're a fucking failure, which is how I often see people set their intention. So yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's true, right? That's how I used to do my business goals. I've got to make this much money by this time. And if I don't, I've fucked it. Yeah. God, like that just makes you feel like. Um, The other thing that I just want to say very quickly about being in alignment is, again, what you will see in sort of mainstream manifestation coaches is that they talk about always being in those high vibrational frequencies of abundance and love and um, joy and enlightenment and staying away from those low vibrational frequencies like fear and scarcity and apathy and and shame, shame being the lowest vibrational frequency. my uh, I, and I agree with that to an extent. My issue with that comes that what we're then doing is demonizing sadness and normal human emotion, and I think that's more dangerous. I think to be able to say so, the difference between vibration and frequency is my vibration is what, what am I thinking? I'm thinking, Yay, I'm really happy today, that's where my vibe is. Or I wake up in the morning in a fucking shit mood and then it starts raining and I miss my tram and I'm in a low vibration, right? Frequency is higher than that. It is, um, what is my intention, right? So my frequency is to be the person who has a seven-figure business, travels internationally and speaks in front of huge audiences and her best friend is Oprah. So my frequency is there. That doesn't mean to say that on when I'm having a bad day, I can't have a bad day. And I think it's important that we allow ourselves to experience those bad days, to learn those lessons, to know that grief is nothing that we can manifest ourselves out of. I'm sorry, but when grief hits me, because my mum's been dead for only just over a year, when grief hits me, it fucking floors me. I'm not going to be like, no, I've got to have a high vibrational frequency. What I need to do (laughs) is give myself a chocolate bar and have a cry. And once I've done that, then I can transcend through it and come out the other side of it. But what I often see is people like, no, don't have those bad, hard feelings. Just be happy all the time. And it's just bullshit. Like you're setting yourself up to fail in that respect. So 
you know, be aware of your vibrational frequency, be aware of the conversations you're having, be aware of the people that you're hanging out with. If you're constantly hanging out with Debbie Downers, your vibrational frequency will be much lower. So, you know, start thinking about you are the sum of the five people you hang out with the most, right? So how much money are they earning? What sort of relationships do they have? What kind of conversations are they having? So that's where those two sort of start off. The next stage, um, if you like, is action. Um, and I like to say, take motherfucking action, not just action. And I, again, you know, the secret missed this vital component out. You can sit at home and you can wish for the red Ferrari, but it's not going to rock up at your door unless you no. take the action <laughs> to create that. Um, and I think for business owners, especially, it can be quite overwhelming to know what action to take because there's so much free content out there. There are so many YouTube clips that you could watch so many short courses and free courses and um, that, that you have sort of out there as, you know, potential um, places to start. I think one of the things that I teach my clients that I call it the five M system. So I think if you are in business and you want to create a successful, sustainable business that is scalable, you need to get clear on five things. The first is you need to get your mindset right. And that everything is mindset. The relationship you have, mindset. The business you have, mindset. Your relationship with money, mindset. The relationship you have with your health, mindset. Your inability to put down those cigarettes, mindset. Everything is mindset. And I think that has to over, that overarches everything. On top of that, what I see a lot of business owners struggle with, especially in the early days of business, is they haven't, they haven't become quite clear enough on their message. Who are they helping? What is the problem that their market is presenting? And what is the problem that their market thinks that they need solving? And so I see lots of people who, are, who have this beautiful desire to help people, but they, they can't articulately, <laughs> struggling with that word today, the irony, um, <laughs> they, they're struggling to really actually talk about what it is that they do and how they solve a problem for somebody or even the problem that they solve in the first place so you've got to get really clear on your message and that can change right let's get out of this binary way of i i prob when i first started out i was i was a dating coach i don't think i've got any clients who are single <laughs> come to yeah. me because they're single but because i've allowed you know the universe to to guide me in a different way if i was still trying to flog that that I'd still be broke right so you know your message will change as you evolve and grow and if you're doing life right you will evolve and grow um the third is methodology you know what is your methodology what is the thing that differentiates you so I have the five m's that's part of my methodology I have my five stages of manifestation that's part of my methodology so what is it that sort of distinguishes you from somebody else because there are a million and one coaches or entrepreneurs out there these days right the next is media positioning yourself you know love or loathe media you've got to get used to it you've got to understand how to position yourself as an expert in your field and how to talk with authority um, and how to get exposure um, in your field and then the last m is of course monetization like you've got a very expensive hobby if you haven't learned how to monetize your passion um, and again, a lot of that is about having funnels in place. A lot of that is about having structure in place. And a lot of that is about getting really clear on your sales process and getting and becoming friends with the sales part of your business. I think a lot of people, you know, we have this sort of um, 1980s used car salesman yeah. around sales. So it's actually about how can you help somebody congruently um, make a, a a buying decision that is right for them. Like you don't sell to anyone that whose problem you can't solve, right? So, you know, it's about sort of reframing that. But ultimately, one of the things I find with my clients is that they've just got a horrible mindset around money. You know, so many people fear it or they see it that unconsciously they don't even recognize that this is a thing. And so this rather elegantly brings me into my fourth step, which is um, to release something. So you, in order to grow, you have to shed. Um, and again, it's this idea that we are constantly shedding expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction. So, um, you know, you have to release either a fear or a belief or a behavior. And belief work sort of underpins everything that I do really. You know, I'll give you a really quick example of, of how your belief will create your reality. So I was running a workshop. I do lots of workshops. Um, I was running one in Hobart, which is in Tasmania in Australia, a little island. And um, after the workshop, I 
my one of my best friends I'm also honored to now employ and she um looks after all the logistics of my life for me um and so she and I had flown over for me to run this workshop um and while we were over there in Hobart I met up with another friend of mine who I hadn't seen for years who lives over there and there are some really famous markets in Hobart called the Salamanca markets and after the workshop I have my friend Nicola who's working with me and I have my other friend whose name is not Susie but for the purpose of this story I will call her Susie um, and Nicola I've known for years and she I know has a really beautiful belief system around around men she's only ever had phenomenal relationships she has a great relationship with her dad she has a twin brother who adores her and who she adores she also has um, a younger brother who is the apple of her eye I know she has a healthy relationship with men my friend Susie, on the other hand, her dad walked out when she was three years old and Susie's mum had a succession of men walk through her childhood home. And I've never seen Susie in a happy relationship. In fact, the relationships I've seen her in have been full of turmoil and emotional and at some point physical abuse. So I know her understanding of men is very different. So here we are with the, the three of us. I'm stood in the middle. I've got Nicola on one side of me and I've got Susie on the other side of me. And it's a beautiful sunny day. It was about 32 degrees. And I'm wearing a skirt, a short mini skirt. And it's kind of like bright and it's got tassels on it. It's very different. It's the sort of skirt that you would acknowledge and comment on. You know, it kind of stands out. So we're walking down through Salamanca markets, the three of us, flanked by Nicola on one side, Susie on the other. And this guy walks towards us. And this guy is with a woman who I'm presuming is his partner, but who knows. Um, and they walk towards us and this guy looks at my skirt and he says the words, hey, nice skirt. And at exactly the same time, Nicola turns around and goes, what a lovely guy. While Susie turns around and goes, what a fucking asshole. And so Nicola's perception of this guy's comment was that he was being a really nice guy and was coming from a really lovely place. And Susie's yep. perception of this guy's comment was that he was a cheater. He was checking me out, perving on me in front of his girlfriend. Therefore, he had to be an asshole. And so mm -hmm. nothing is different about that circumstance other than the perception that we bring to it. Now, let's take this one stage further, right? How do you think Nicola is going to rock up on a date? And how do you think Susie is going to rock up on a date? Because Nicola is going to rock up on that date, assuming the best in the person in front of her. She's going to be relaxed. She's going to be curious. She's going to be interested. She's going to be funny. Susie's going to rock up waiting for him to fuck up and almost anticipating it and almost provoking it. And therefore, her experience of that date is going to be very different to Nicola's experience of that date. And so we continue to create a reality for ourselves that is completely forged in a belief system that we've made up from the age of three years old onwards. We continue to then create that. We, we become our own sort of self-fulfilling prophecies. And so learning that, and there are techniques which can help you uncover what your beliefs are and start creating new ones so that you can have a different reality for yourself. Um, then to tie it all in together would be the last stage, which is to surrender. And when I talk about surrender, um, what I don't mean is I'm just going to drop the, bike, the mic and leave the building. I'm talking about, so let me put it this way to you. Um, there's a phenomenal public speaker. Her name's Lisa Nichols. And I once heard her say in an interview um, that life is like running a race, like you're the jockey of a horse race. And the only thing that you need to do is get to the finish line. That's all you need to do. The trick is you're constantly riding two horses simultaneously. So you always have to have one foot firmly in the horse of faith and one foot firmly in the horse of free will. And the secret to life is knowing when to whip which horse. And so surrender for me is about building a faith. It's about saying, do you know what? I'm a tiny, tiny little cog in a huge mechanism that the universe is in control of to an extent, right? So the universe has got, what, 7 billion people that it's, you know, monitoring at any given time, and I'm only one of them. And as much as I would like to think I'm the center of the universe, I'm actually really fucking not. And so when things get moved around, when 
marketing campaigns that should work don't, when we experience business failure, when relationships conclude, when somebody dies, when redundancies happen, these are all, like I say, part of the fabric of life. It's about saying, all right, I will continue to whip the horse of free will, but I will do so with a faith that the universe is moving things around. And although it might not be apparent to me right now, I trust, I have a faith. And it's got nothing to do with a religious faith, although it can do if, if God is your being, right? But I have this faith that the universe is doing something because there is a greater plan afoot. And all I can ever do is learn the lesson that is presented to me right now and continue to get back up on the horse and continue the race. And I think if you are in business, you have to have the mindset of get back up on that fucking horse because the only difference between the people that succeed in business and the people that don't succeed in business are the people who have the tenacity and the resilience to keep going and those that don't. Well, that is a very, very good way to, to finish those five, really. I think that someone's ability to keep going, someone's ability to get back on the horse, someone's ability to understand that sometimes you need to know what the opposite of something is before you realise what the actual thing is. And I guess people do spend a lot of time figuring out what they don't want, which is, I guess, from, from a good point of view as well is sometimes if you know enough that you don't want then you automatically live what you do want I, th I think sometimes sometimes we get too focused on those things you know we get focused on sometimes we get focused on the bad things that realizing that, okay well if I don't actually experience those bad things like drinking and and smoking and exercising and all those things sometimes Sometimes we end up living that without realizing it. Sometimes, like being going right. Well, if if I don't want to smoke and I don't want to drink, okay. Well, you're you're living the result of that by focusing on what you don't want. So, mm. some there is probably an argument for that. But then, as you say, you know, if you don't know what you want, then you know it's, it's hard to know what you don't want as well. Like it's it's almost yeah, like absolutely. that kind of and part of the. I think part of my process is like knowing what your non-negotiables are. Right, you've got to know what your values are, what your standards are, and what your boundaries are. And I think a lot of people in, in you know there's a scale. It's called the the narcissistic scale and the codependency scale. And I, I'm not talking about narcissism like it's banded around in 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 the current understanding that we have of it. It's either in order for me to feel loved, I put my needs first, right? In order for me to feel safe, I put my needs first. Or it's codependent, which is in order for me to feel safe, I put your needs first so that I can feel loved. And most of us sit on one side of that scale, somewhere along that scale. And I think a lot of people who have a beautiful message but aren't monetizing it tend to be on that sort of codependent scale because they are trying to make other people happy before themselves so that they can feel happy. Um, and one of the things that I do is I work with women specifically to help them uh, strengthen their boundaries and their standards um, so that they can create better results for themselves. And that is, you know, like really digging in deep and going, all right, well, where's this people pleasing come from? Why do you feel the need to make other people happy so that you can feel happy? And part of that is going, all right, where are my non-negotiables? What, what behavior will I no longer tolerate either of myself or of the people around me? And so, yeah, absolutely. There is an argument for knowing what it is that you don't want. Unfortunately, when I see people in, in the early stages of business, all they can do is tell me what they don't want. They don't have a clear vision of yeah. the person that they want to be. And therefore, point. it's really hard to create that reality for yourself. Yeah, I think it is, it is having that, that negative bias as well, isn't it? People just mm -hmm. focus on the negative in the hope that the positive will show up. But again, as, as you mentioned in, in the sort of talk that you gave, is that you need, you need both. Like you, it's yeah. the same thing with the alignment. You need both with the, the actions. You need all those five things, but you also need to figure out like what you're moving away from as well. Like there's, there's, there's not just an element of what you're moving away from is what you're moving to as well. Like you need, you need that both. I quite like how you sort of go through the release process as well, the fear or belief or behavior that seems to be quite helpful for people because sometimes you need to let a behavior go, which yeah. is, I, I guess that's one of the, it. Yeah, I guess that's one of the easier things to let go of sometimes. Uh, mm. With the belief and the fear, I, I imagine at least being a little bit harder. 
and mm. yeah, I like the analogy of the, the horses as well. So yeah, thanks for that, Emily. I appreciate that. Um, if You're so welcome. To, someone wants to find out about you, so <clears throat> someone wants to find out more about yourself. Where can people go to find out more? So you can head to my website, which is emilychadbourne.com. Um, I, every single Tuesday, release a written blog. And every single Thursday, I release a YouTube video on my YouTube channel, which is Emily Chadbourne. Um, I'm also really active on Facebook. Facebook is my jam. So I have a free Facebook group, and I run free courses through that group. It's called That Crazy Thing Called Life. Um, and you're also more than welcome to follow my page, aptly named Emily Chadbourne. So you're Emily Chadbourne pretty much everywhere. So those yeah. of you that are listening, make sure, you know, even if you just Google it, I'm sure it'll come up. So um, before we, we dive off, Emily, um, I've got one last question that I ask all my guests. And we've had, I don't know, silly answers, I guess you could call them, all the way up to, to serious answers to everything in between. And it doesn't have to be about what we've spoken about either. So we can go completely off the rails with this one. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear what. <laughs> oh, I completely lost you then as you asked the question, I think. Can you repeat it? Oh, no way. All right. Oh, well, yeah, don't worry. What would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Ooh, that's a great question. What would I like the world to know about me that it doesn't already know? Um, I think I would like the world to know that, okay, I think I'd like the world to know that I, okay, I'm going to go for a silly one. I would like <laughs> the world to know that I am the most gullible human in the world. So... <laughs> I have a deal with my friends that when they tell me a fact, if it's if I put my hand up in the air, it means I'm not sure whether or not they're telling me the truth. And they absolutely, then, like, it's not funny anymore. They have to come clean as to whether or not they're winding me up because there yeah. have been many times where I've been like, oh, my God, did you know that if you dropped a stone from that bridge, it would take, like, four and a half hours to hit the ocean? And people are like, clearly <laughs> not true. Um, so I have been many, many, many times have my friends told me uh, facts about, especially about Australia, uh, various wildlife and fauna and things like, yeah, the actual man-eating plant that turned out not to be real either. <laughs> but I very happily was telling people about it. So, uh, yeah, I can be exceptionally gullible at times. If you say something with certainty, I absolutely believe you. Well, I guess, uh, you know, if someone wanted to, to find out a bit about you, they could just tell you a fact and, and you'll, I, I guess you'll believe it, you know? So yeah. Absolutely, totally. If you tell me that you are, you know, the son of the Sultan of India, I'll believe you. <laughs> cool. Can't wait. So, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have my air quotes facts ready for you, Emily, for the next time we speak. Uh, <laughs> people that are listening. Make sure you do share this one out. I really enjoyed talking to Emily and, and hearing what she has to say. If you're new to the show, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss our future guests. Emily, thanks again for being a guest. I'm sure we'll you're keep welcome. in touch. Thank you so much.